Amen. So I guess before I get into it, I, I just want to bring a little bit of encouragement. The reason why I started this at arm's reach, uh, a couple of messages right now, it's because I want to make this practical for you guys. That is it. There are people in our lives today, every single one of us, we have people in our lives today that don't know Christ, not serving Jesus, and that we have such an influence on. You know, and understand that influence is not management or trying to get things going and tell them to do what they got to do and shove the word down the throat. And God says this, and we have that pointing finger deal because Christ never did that. You know who did that? The Bible calls him the accuser, the enemy. So whenever you see yourself doing this, go, ah, in Jesus' name, no. You know, just <laughs> because we don't want to do that to people. Christ didn't do that to us. And so when you think about this series at, at arm's reach, I just want you to understand and just kind of evaluate your life for a second. Who in my life are so close that I can be an influence on, that I can just love on and, and share the good news about Jesus? Who at arm's reach will I be able to just have an opportunity to just grow in life together? And that's why we're starting this at arm's reach. And last week when we talked about it, we were kind of just looking at uh, Jesus, the, 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 the perfect example, the perfect model of how he did things. And I brought two stories up. And, and the first one was uh, Nicodemus. So Nicodemus was a religious leader. They called him a Pharisee. Okay, and not to get too much into it because it is a, a long passage, but Jesus starts teaching this religious leader, the guys that were pointing and saying, Jesus, you're wrong about everything. This guy comes at night, finds Jesus, talks about the kingdom of God, has a couple of questions. What is this born again thing is what he says. Gets to the point where he says, how do I reenter into my mother's womb? It didn't make sense to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was so curious that he was willing to leave for a while, make sure they didn't know, but I'm going to go in the night. I'm going to find Jesus, and I'm going to talk to him real quick, okay? I'm going to ask him some questions. And that gave an opportunity for Jesus uh, to just minister and to, to love on someone and teach truth to him. And what he was doing was he was at arm, Nicodemus was at arm's reach with Jesus. And we also talked about the, the Samaritan woman at the well. You know, culture then, Jesus is thirsty. He's sitting at the well. This Samaritan woman comes up. And, and, and starts drawing water, and Jesus says, hey, can you draw some water for me? Obviously, I'm paraphrasing it, but can you draw some water for me? Understand that culture then, a Jew, Jesus, and a Samaritan, the woman, did not associate with each other. That was culture. That's what they did. They didn't talk and talk. And to the point where Jesus started talking to her, and the Samaritan woman started questioning Jesus, what, what, what do you want to do? Why are we talking? You know, what, what is this whole purpose? And Jesus this lady being at arm's reach has an opportunity to speak truth and about the kingdom of God to this lady. To the point where you will see that the Samaritan woman forgot culture of we don't associate, got so excited because Jesus made an impact, left her stuff there, ran to the town, back to the village, and started telling everybody, I think I just met the Messiah because the kingdom culture just touched her right where she was at. You know, and I didn't talk about this last week, but I really thought about this this morning. And when you look at, look at the cross, when Jesus is literally hanging at the cross, okay, uh, he, it's at the point, at the end of his earthly life, okay? He's going to be glorified in three days, but it's the end of his earthly life, and he's there. And the Bible says that there are two thieves, you know, one on his left, one on his right. They're, they're, they're there, and one of them acknowledges him as he's innocent, and this is, this is God right here. This is, this is Christ, the, you know, the Messiah. 
while the other one doesn't agree with it. But that guy, when you think about it, is at arm's reach for Jesus right there and remembers him and is going to take him to paradise with him. Man, it's coming down out there. It's awesome. <laughs> Whoo. You guys want to go outside for a second? You know, and you see the opportunity where Jesus was at arm's reach with someone, even to the point of death. That suffering and the, the pain and everything he was going through didn't stop the character of, I'm going to reach somebody. I'm going to reach one more person. You see what I'm saying? And obviously he was doing something for all mankind, but while he was on earth, might as well take this guy with me too. You know what I'm saying? And he was at arm's reach even through sufferings. And I say this to you guys because don't let culture stop you. Okay, don't let sufferings stop you. Don't let religion stop you for being at arm's reach with people. Because there are people that are destined, I'm going to say this again, they are destined to be in your life because God's going to use you in their life. God's going to use you. And so last week, we kind of quick, I'm going to recap a couple things. I gave you a few things we can do to reach people. And the first one was this. First and foremost, are you guys ready? Okay, here it is. Pray for the people that are around you that you can reach. What? That's it? Yes. You start with praying for them. You pray for them. You declare stuff in their life. Now, I'm not saying go up to them and, you know, smack them in the head and start declaring stuff. No, no, no. In your time with God, and if they're in your mind and in your thoughts, pray for them. If you know they're going through some stuff, pray for them. If you know that they just need to hear some good news, pray for them. Pray for yourself. God, how does this look? Let's pray for these people. That's the first thing you want to do. God gave us that line of communication with him so he can do things in other people's lives as well, too. The second thing we said was don't worry about what others think. You know, sometimes we can get very, um, what's the word? We're looking for af- words of affirmation, which words of affirmation should always be good, godly, and positive. But sometimes we try to look for man's approval when God's commanding us just to simply obey what he wants us to do. So, in other words, don't worry about if, if people are like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You don't talk about it. Don't do that. It's just not what we do here. Don't worry about anybody else and what they think. Jesus faced that on a constant basis when he was walking. And the point where the Bible tells us that Jesus knew their thoughts. And they're thinking, but they, he continued to walk and stop, um, stay in obedience with his heavenly father. So don't worry about what people think. Just stay in obedience with him. And the last one is this. Make sharing the gospel a priority in your life. Wake up in the morning. Thank God for the word and you, that you're alive and that you're active. But what can I do to share some good news with somebody else too? Ask God. He will pave a personal road for you so you can share the good news to people. And I, I quickly gave you guys this um, thing I kind of do already on an on a everyday basis, and I mean it, on an everyday basis, I meditate on Psalms 61, I'm sorry, Isaiah 61, 1, where it talks about I am anointed and gifted to preach the good news, to give good news to the poor, and not in money, the poor in hearts, the poor in hearts. And when you have an understanding and a knowledge that that's who I am as well, too, it's just going to stir you up in the inside to go and do something for somebody in their life the way God wants you to do it. Not what you think, not what religion says, but how God and kingdom tells us to do it. There is no cookie cutter way in how to do this. God has a unique unique way for you to reach those people. So sharing the gospel, understand that sharing the gospel doesn't require a degree or a title. It requires a simple, willing heart. 
You don't have to be a pastor titled. You don't have to be, uh, you know, have this degree of I went through this Bible school and I did this, which those are great. Don't get me wrong. But when we're talking about sharing good news to people, just sharing good news to people, it just requires a willing heart. That's it. Be willing to say yes to God. And, and God saying, hey, I need you to just connect with these people. Yes, Lord, I will. And watch them do the rest in your life and in their life. So when we reach them, understand that this, we need to continue to follow up and follow through with these people. I'll say that again. We need to follow up and follow through with these people. You know, and in other words, take an extra mile to just encounter them. Can I share a story with you guys? You guys like stories? Okay. So... A lot of you guys know this, but I'm going to give you guys a refresher, and if this is the first time you hear it, awesome. You'll, you'll be blessed by this story. But I thank God. I thank, oh, man, I just, it's, there's no words behind this, but I thank God so much. And my mom and my wife can, can just affirm this. I thank God for our first pastor here at Resurrection Life Church, Edgar Gomez. I really do. And a lot of you guys know who I'm talking about because you were here when he was pastoring. And maybe you just had the privilege to know him. Today's in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. He's starting Radiant Church, which he's doing phenomenal. My brother-in-law just went on a mission trip over there. We had our very own Elena uh, go out there as well, too, on, a, on, a, on many missions as well, too. And I know they're doing phenomenal. But I thank God for that guy. You can ask my wife. You can ask my mom because that guy took the extra mile for me. I'll say that again. He took an extra mile for me. When I was expecting him because he's a pastor, okay, he'll walk with me about a mile. And then when I'm like, well, this is where he's going to really depart and I'm just going to have to continue to go. He's like right there by me the whole time. He took an extra mile. And here's the thing. I didn't know it at the time, but he, what he was doing was exactly what Jesus did with his disciples. And when I was going through some tough things, some tough seasons in life, he was there walking with me. He took an extra mile. When, when I was contemplating, should I serve in the military because I just don't know what to do and I, I think I want to do the Air Force, he was finding purpose in my life and reminding me, hey, how about Bible school? Did you know when he said, hey, you ever think about Bible school? I said, nope, nope, not doing it. And he says, why not? And I said, because I'm done with school. I graduated barely, you know, and, I, and I'm done with school. I love Jesus. We're good. You know, we're all good. But he was willing to take that extra mile to the point where I just chose, yes, God really... Um, intervene. He even asked me, hey, would you pray about it at least? And I said, yes, I'll pray about it. I went home. I said, God, I know it's not Bible school, so just show me how to do this military deal. You know, amen. Next Sunday, did you pray about it? Yes, I did. And God said, no. You know, it was just, I'm just being honest. It's exactly how it was. And I, and I remember the expression, he, you know, he knew I was lying. He knew it, you know, and I, and I thought I had him. You know? But he goes, okay, all right, awesome. And I'm like, yep, that's it. I'm going to continue my journey. Nope, he was still there taking that extra mile with me. I go to Bible school. You know, I get married. We get married, my wife and I. <laughs> we go to Bible school. He's there. He's there. Not necessarily living with me or anything, but he's on the phone. He's emailing him. He's texting me. He's encouraging me. I remember just being a point like, I'm just, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And he's reminding me, this is what the word says. He took the extra mile. Graduation happens. You know, we get out. We move back. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm just done. No, no, no. God's got more stuff. Extra mile. And the reason why I share this is because Jesus did that with his disciples. Jesus did that with people. There's just something about taking an extra mile. Who do you have that you can take an extra mile with? I mean, we just talked about a little bit earlier, Paul and Timothy. 
You know, Paul, who really spiritually was the father of Timothy, Paul was taking these extra miles by writing these letters to Timothy and saying, hey, this is what you need to do to encourage the church. Maybe someone's taking an extra mile with you right now. Seize that moment. Seize it. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 41, and whoever compels you to go one mile, he says, go with him too. Jesus said that. Go with him too. It's, it's the extra mile that makes the difference in somebody's life. For instance, when again, when I was walking one mile with him, I figured, okay, journey's done here. He kept going. That's when I realized, man, there's, I, I guess I do have to. Someone believes in me. It's, the, it's that extra mile that makes a difference. And here's the thing. That extra mile is inconvenient for you, but it's impactful for them. It may be inconvenient because you don't have the time, talent, or resources, but you have the willing and obedient heart, okay? It's going to be very impactful for them. I had many conversations with Edgar that he just didn't know how to answer, but he would say, hey, I, I don't know, but let me just pray with you, and let's seek it together in his word. It's not about us knowing everything. It's about us saying yes to Jesus and let's experience this life together. So the question is this. What does an extra mile look like with those who are at arm's reach? What does that extra mile look like? Think about it for a second. Think about that person or those people. Maybe it's your children right now or your grandchildren. Don't, don't, don't exclude family. Family, we all need Jesus. Maybe they're in your life for a reason. What does that extra mile look like? And I simply, guys, just want to give you a practical answer. Because today's message, I want you guys to practice it this week. I don't want to teach something, and then it felt good and awesome, and praise God, and you walk out the doors, and it's out the window already. I want you guys to take what's being said to you right now. Listen to the Spirit of God. Go back to his word. Line things up. What does this look like in my life? And then practice it execute it. And, and the, the answer to the question is, is simple. It's this. Ask God, then listen. Ask God, what does this look like? What does this extra mile look like with this person? Then listen. You will get direction. You will hear God. Because what you're asking God is, give me your wisdom on how to do this. And his word tells us this. Hey, I am generous enough to give it to you. Here you go. This is what you need to do. Now, maybe you won't get the whole plan because sometimes we're so eager. Show me what the goal looks like. But he says, I will give you one step at a time. Let's do this step. How about you just give him a call? Say, hey, thinking about you. I just want to pray for you. Anything you want me to pray about? What if it's as simple as that? Ask God, then listen. Maybe uh, let's, let's put some to practice. Maybe it's a difficult coworker. You're at work. You don't understand, Jesse. You have no idea who I'm working with. I think he worships the devil. Like it's just, it is bad, Jesse. You know, and I have, I have no choice but to work next term, or I have no to- choice to work with her about this. Maybe it's just a simple, difficult coworker. And what's happening is you feel like I'm just not making an impact. They're never going to get it. If there's someone that's hopeless, it's that person. And the reason why I'm confident enough to say that is because I did that. I did. You don't have to amen to that, man. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But here, here, here's what I'm saying is this. There are people that God wants you to reach even when they're difficult. So let's look at difficult coworker. All right, what does Colossians 3.23 says? It says this. Paul says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 
Think about that for a second. And the first story I think about is my wife. When we were in Bible school, she worked at a, a, a coffee uh, shop. It was called Bank Cafe. It was on camp- campus. By the way, it was really good coffee, okay? And I got it for free because my wife was a staff member there. Okay. Anyways. All right. So just to be honest with you, it, it, the, the management was not good. It was not fun. And every day when my wife mopped to close the shop down, she would share this with me. I don't work for man. I work unto the Lord. I don't work for man. I work unto the Lord. And she says, that's what got me through the day every single day. It got to the point, she worked one whole year there, and then they had to close down shop. Business wasn't doing well, but they offered her a brand new position with a, a raise and, and just the, the dream job she wanted, the dream job that she wanted at the time, okay? At the, t- at the time, because there was another growing season. But because of her faithfulness of saying, look, no matter how mean they can be, and yeah, there's a fine line and there are processes we should follow. I'm encouraging that. But that shouldn't uh, make you stoop as low as them, is what I'm trying to say. And when you remind yourself, Colossians 3.23, when you're with that difficult worker, Lord, I just, I'm going to work unto you like I'm not working onto people. Lord, it's, I'm here because of you. You start hearing things from God. You start acting a certain way. They're, those difficult people are like, what, what's different about you? Why, why you act like that? You should be mad. You should be mad. But you're not. Guess what's happening at that moment? A door is opening. A bridge is being built. And they're going to ask, why, are you, why, why do you act this way? There's your opportunity. I don't know if it's a difficult coworker. What about what about family not living for God? That's a huge one. Family that don't live for God, they don't live for the Lord, and I'm trying, and I'm trying to do everything I can. Well, what does his word say? When we ask God, how can I uh, just make an impact in their life? Joshua 24, 15 says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. All right, but check this out. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Your influence of serving God is contagious. It's contagious, okay? Your influence, whether they want to serve the Lord or not, if you choose, I'm going to serve the Lord and just going to continue to love on them because the word tells me love them like Christ loved, your influence is going to make an impact. I had a brother-in-law, a couple, actually like four brother-in-laws that came to Christ because of our influence. My sisters came to Christ because of my influence. I know those were triggered. I'm not saying I led them to Christ, but I wasn't going to change the way I acted or the way I lived because they didn't like it. And what happened was the influence starts becoming contagious in the room. You know, at first it's like, okay, let's not swear around them. You know, let's not let's not act this way. It's kind of like a hiding thing. And when you say, look, just be you. All right. And I'll be me. It starts turning the tide to the point where my brother, I just got back from a missions trip. And if you we would have talked eight years ago, he was the one that was pounding us. Why do you act this way? Why do you do that? He just got back from a mission trip saying, praise the Lord. Oh, this is awesome. I want to continue to do God's work. Because of influence, who in your life? That you're like, oh, this has been difficult lately, that you can influence, that you can be a part of their life and say, okay, you, okay, you live the way you want, but as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord, and God, I'm just going to declare that my influence will be contagious, and it would rub on that person. God's going to honor that. God will honor that. What if it's a mean neighbor, a neighbor? Oh, I see a lot of heads doing this. Yep, I got that neighbor. Yep, 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 yep. How do you, are you trying to say hi? You trying to, you know, uh, I was just talking to a friend yesterday, no, two days ago, and he was telling me, man, my neighborhood is just tough. Like, we live in a good neighborhood, but man, no one wants to talk with each other. Why? 
Why? And to the point where he just wants to give up. Just wants to give up and say, it, it, it's done. You know, I don't want to just well, mind your business, I'll mind my business. And you don't want to stoop that low. You don't want to do what they do. You want to continue to do, do something. And the first thing you do is go to the word. What, is, what does uh, Ephesians 4.32 say? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Forgive their actions. Okay? Just as Christ God forgave you. When you think about it for a second, church, think about this for a second. Going the extra mile is going to create opportunities. But here's the thing. Christ forgave us when we didn't even ask for forgiveness. If you read the scriptures, he says, Father, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. That's an example that how we should be treating maybe our neighbors or people in our lives that, well, they're just not sorry about it. How about you still forgive them? And let that, for, I mean, there's just something about forgiveness. It just activates something. It changes and shifts an atmosphere. And when you get to that point, you become more impactive in their life. Going the extra mile is an opportunity for you to grow in Christ and grow in yourself, but be impactful for someone else's life. And here's the reason why we practice this today, guys, starting today. is because they are worth it and you are worth it. They are worth it even when you think they're never going to get it. But they are so worth it because the scripture tells us that he died for all the world, not just for some of them, but for all of them. And you're worth it. He wants you to continue to grow in that. The whole goal here is this. You just simply want to share the Father's heart. Do you want to know why I'm on platform today with this microphone and lights? Because God simply wants me to expose and share the Father's heart. There are going to be many platforms in our lives, not looking like this, but in our lives where God's going to create, where you're going to speak, and you're going to bring life to somebody. Uh, in 2013, this was uh, the fall of 2013, so almost five years already, I remember driving to the gas station in Holland. It was at West Coast Gas Station. You guys know where I'm at now? In Holland, north side of town. Okay, West Coast gas station. I'm out there. I just dropped my kids off to school. I got to put a little bit of gas in my van, and I got to get to the office. I got to get to work, right? I got to do some things. And as I'm driving there, I see a man just in this beat-up face. I mean, pretty bad. Uh, you know, just not, it was like sweatpants and just a shirt in the cold. I remember that day was so windy. It was like a bitter cold and he just had a t-shirt on. And I remember him being really like frantic and just kind of like looking for something and in a panic. And I remember just going, doing my thing. And um, I saw him, but I said, you know what? He's probably just looking for something he dropped. Went back in the van, but I just could not stop looking at him and watching him. And I, then I heard God, I need you to go connect with him. God was creating a platform. And I remember saying, okay, here we go, you know. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? I have no idea, okay. So I go and I get out of my van and I said, hey, sir. I go, are you okay? Do you need help with anything? And he says, my dollar, my dollar. Where's my dollar? My one dollar. Have you ever lost a dollar? Were you in that much panic? Probably not. Probably not. And if you are, <laughs> God understands that. But this guy was in that desperate position in life where he didn't know what he was going to do because he lost $1. And I remember saying, okay, I got two bucks in my car. I'll go get him a couple bucks, dollars. So I go and I run and I grab my couple of dollars. And the first thought that came to me, church, was he's probably going to use it for something else. He's probably going to buy some stuff and 
You just don't know that. And that moment I had the biggest battle. It was probably lasted like three seconds because all I said is, I don't care. I heard Jesus. I'm going to give him to him. And I walked up to him and I said, here, you can have this. And the joy that came to his life, he said, are you sure? Yes, I am positive. You can have it. I said, I don't know what you're going to spend it on, but you can have it. And he said, okay. And he walks in the store. And I just said, okay, God, you know, I, I did it. I'm about to go. He comes back out. Like within three seconds, he comes right back out. And he has said, I just want to let you know something. I was going to buy some stuff. Let's just say that, okay? He goes, but because you just like talked to me, cared for me, I don't, I don't, I don't want it right now. And I said, Do you, are you hungry? Opportunity to feed him now. Feeding him at McDonald's led to opportunity to talk with him. He shared his story of what he's going through and that the end result led him to Christ. He, he came to Jesus. It's, it really is impactful. All of that was one hour, by the way. Okay, one whole hour. And the tears that guy was in when he said amen. The tears. Because God created a platform for me to speak into somebody's life because I said yes when I felt like it was inconvenient at the time. I need to, I need to get to the office. I got some stuff to do. How is God creating a platform in your life? What does that look like? God wants to put this confidence in you. And I, earlier, I, I've, I've called it Godfidence. When it's in God, it becomes, confidence becomes Godfidence in your life. God wants to put this confidence in your life, and he wants you to simply trust him, that he's going to do something in you. God will create platforms for you in life every single day. It does not have to look like this. I have many platforms in my life. It's called home. It's called work. It's called the store. It's called the gas station. I just shared one of those stories. If God creates a platform, he wants you to do something in somebody's life because they are at arm's reach. You know, before we take the platform, though, I want to share three things, and I'll close it with this. Okay, these three things you need to know before you step on the platform God's going to create for you. And I believe he's going to do it starting today. He really is going to start today. Okay, and he says, and the first one is this, you are in Christ. You need to know you are in Christ. Again, very practical. Let's remember, sometimes we want to get some deep stuff, but we need to remember the, the simple basics of what God calls us to do, and it's our identity. Know your identity in him. You are in Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, you are in Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is my favorite part. You're God's special possession. You are special to him, okay? He is going to take care of you. Have you ever had something special in your possession and you took good care of it? Yeah? Can I give you one of my special possessions? My authentic Mitchell and Ness, Barry Sanders, Honolulu Blue jersey, okay? That is special. It is so special that I have a suit, you know, like the uh, men's warehouse suit. You have your suit, your, your tie, everything, and you put it in the zip thing. I took that thing out, and I put my jersey in there. I zipped it up, and I hung it there. That suit, my, my, my wife was like, that suit's going to get all dusty. That's all right. Long as my jersey, my special possession. The Pastor Daniel come out, dude, you need, let me pray for you, man. It's just, <laughs> when I opened it, I had a video, and when I, my wife was recording this, when I, that package came, when that package came, it was a gift for my wife. When that package came and I saw it and I looked at it, I, I told my kids, go wash your hands if you want to touch this. 
Okay? I washed my hands, and I, I, I am not over-exaggerating. Because I saw the video. I'm like, man, that, that bad? <laughs> and then they had like the, um, what is it called? The wax paper all over it because of the, the printing and all that. I, it was snagging. I was like, oh, man. I, I peeled that thing slow. I made sure it was good. When I put it on, I'm like, okay, uh, make sure I have a clean undershirt on. I just, it, it was my special possession. It's still in my possession, okay? My wife and I were joking the other day. She goes, if we ever had a house fire, what would you save? I said, my jersey. <laughs> my jersey. <laughs> my wife was saved already, okay? So, <laughs> my jersey. I know exactly where that. I'm just joking about it. But the thing is that that jersey's really cool to me. I, and, I, and I grew up watching Barry Sanders. So to have that gift and that surprise, was just, it was just phenomenal in my life. And I, I love my friends, they'll see it. They'll make fun of it. They'll joke about it. But I am dead serious. Do not touch it unless you wash your hands. Or you're a Lions fan, because if you're not a Lions fan, you're not touching it, okay? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> God says you're his special possession. You are. You know who you're battling? It's not even the enemy. It's your own thoughts sometimes. When you think, I am not worthy, I don't have it. What's my gifting? I don't really have a gifting. You do. Just quit being hard on yourself. You need to have the revelation, the insight, the knowledge. I am in Christ. I am in Jesus. And that's all that matters, no matter what people say. I am in Christ. And he says, you're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. His wonderful light. He's called you out. You said yes. Guess what? You're in Jesus Christ. No, before you take the platform, number one, you are in Christ. But number two, that you are the church. You don't just go to church. You are the church. Guess what? If it was Sunday morning, and do not ever follow this, okay? But if it was Sunday morning and none of y'all showed up, and it was completely empty, empty in this auditorium, and it's 10, but no people were in here, this ain't church. This is not the church. This is the building. It's just empty. You know, I remember I was joking with my father-in-law, and, and this was a while ago, and he had told me it was like a holiday. It was Labor Day weekend, I believe, and it was that Monday. And I went to his house, and it's a Monday. He said, hey, what are you doing here? And I, I said, uh, it's, it's my day off. It's Labor Day. You know, he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, the church should never close. I was like, oh, no, I never said the church closed. The, you know, the, I'm the church. We're still open, but the building is closed. I got the day off from my office, you know. That's, we need to remember we are the church. Yeah, you go to church on a Sunday, but you are still can go to church on a Monday through Saturday as well, too, because you are the church. So before you take a platform, before God paves something for you, understand that I am the church. I am the hands and the feet of Christ. I'm going to do something. I'm going to be impact. I don't have to try to figure it out. I don't have to have the degree. I don't have to know everything. I'm just going to say yes to God because he says, I am the church. I am the body. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you. He never said some. He says each one of you have a role to play. Will you step up to the plate and say yes to Jesus? Will you step up? And the last one is this, and I'll close it with this. Before you take the platform, understand that you are there to advance his kingdom. You are here to advance his kingdom, advance the, 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 the family of God, give opportunities for people to join the family. I, you know, we had a, um, a family that my wife and I uh, have known for about four or five years now, and they've adopted um, a kid who's now like, uh, Jay's like 13, 
about 13 years old, but they had him when he was, when he was kid. And they shared stories about the adopting processes, and, and it, it, it was a, a long road. But when the child comes into the family, the love that they were nurturing to their son, who today is 13, and is just a wonderful kid, just an amazing kid, he identifies himself as one of the family. Their skin colors are completely different, night and day, literally, okay? But he doesn't see that. He sees himself as a part of this family. You need to see the same thing. You, your goal is to get those people that feel like, well, I'm different. I don't, I don't know if I should be, you know, a part of this. I, I got so much junk in me that I got to fix. They need to know they need to be adopted into the family. You got to give them that opportunity. And even though that family that we know took a long process, it was well worth it and so rewarding. When you take the long process or take that time to continue to reach those people and understand I am in Christ, I am the church, I will advance his kingdom, God will honor that. Those people will come home if you stand on his word. But you have to stand on his word. Matthew 6, 33, I'll close it with this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, seek first him, his kingdom. And when that platform is placed before you, however that looks, and you understand I am in Christ, I am the church, I will advance his kingdom, that platform's going to come, and God's going to give you the words to speak to those people in your life, and the rest will take its course. The rest will take its course. Bible t- tells us this in a paraphrase that some of us plant seed, sow seed some of us water but God makes it grow your job as the farmer in a sense is to go out and do the labor let God do the rest in their life that's how you connect and reach people that are in your circle, that are right there and guess what you're doing church you're regenerating because they're going to catch it. They're going to get it. They're going to want to reach people that you probably couldn't reach because they were called at that point in their life. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and pray for a second. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for the opportunity just to speak your word, Father. I pray for every single one of these people in this room, Lord, that we will be activated. And when we leave these four walls, Father, we would do something to just make an impact, Father. Give us ways to just reach people. Now, church, here's an invite. Maybe, maybe you never heard Jesus this way, or, or, or maybe this is the first time you've heard it, and, and, or you've lived for him, and you want to come back to him. The Bible tells us if you just believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, he'll meet you right where you're at. He'll fill you with his spirit. He'll make a home in you. But you have to want it. And all I want to do is lead you in a simple prayer. So if that is you, with all eyes closed, and you want to take this first step with Jesus and say yes to Jesus. I want to be in Christ. I want to be the church. I want to, I want to advance and do his work in the kingdom of God. On the count of three, with all eyes closed, shoot your hand up. One, I want Jesus. Two, I need Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Anybody else? It's a brand new day for you. Maybe rainy and gloomy outside, but it's sunshine right now in your life anybody else praise God so if you raise your hand church there are people that raise their hand let's do this as a church family let's all put one hand over our heart because we're about to get some new brothers and sisters in Christ right now they're going to come to the family in just a second are you ready for this let's pray father God 
I thank you for you, for your love that's unconditional. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I thank you by faith that I can receive your mercy and your forgiveness. Jesus, take my life. My ways are no more. Your ways are now my ways. So teach me. Holy Spirit, make a home in my heart and lead me the rest of my life in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all celebrate by shouting, Amen. Amen. How many